Hi, everybody. Welcome to Horsepower Heritage. I'm Maurice Merrick. And greetings to all of you listening from places like Massapequa, New York, Twinsburg, Ohio, Houston, Texas, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, Oberhocking, Germany, and Liverpool, England. Thanks for joining me once again. And this episode is kind of interesting. It's a crossover with my pals Ryan Barkey and Doug Fogler. They're the hosts of the Steering Committee podcast. And maybe you've already heard their show, but if you haven't, I want you to follow them right now on whatever podcast app you're using. Ryan and Doug have a very relaxed atmosphere on their show and fun conversation. And they have a beer sponsor, which I don't. And I'm kind of jealous about that. Now, the guys hail from Denver, Colorado, but recently they took their act on the road and came out here to Los Angeles for a bunch of interviews and just general car fun in the sun. So when they asked me if I'd like to get together and record an episode, I jumped at the chance. And as you might guess, there's a little bit of a fraternity going on with automotive podcasters. We tend to talk to each other once in a while, compare notes, and Ryan and Doug have become friends. And it was nice to be sort of on the other side of things for this episode. Really, they're interviewing me for the most part, but I don't even know if you can call it that. It's really just a great conversation, and I know you're going to enjoy it. And before we get started, I want to ask you to support what I'm doing by going to buymeacoffee.com forward slash HP Heritage and throw a few bucks in the gas tank. You can make it a one-time gift or you can even make it a repeating monthly gift if you like. So I can keep bringing you these episodes. And you can also find Horsepower Heritage on Instagram and YouTube, of course. And stay right there because we're about to convene the steering committee. It's Ryan Barkey and Doug Fogler. And that's coming up right after this. This episode of Horsepower Heritage is sponsored by Model Citizen Diecast. No matter what's in your garage, you can fit all your automotive heroes on a shelf. And they've got you covered, whether it's 143rd scale, 118th scale, or even the ginormous 18th scale masterpieces from the Amalgam Collection. Go to ModelCitizenDieCast.com and get 10% off when you use the promo code HERITAGE at checkout. Limitations apply. From race cars to street cars and everything in between, it's Model Citizen Diecast. Because your inner child still wants to play with cars. This place is impressive, is it not? It is very impressive. Where are we, Maurice? We're at the Haggerty Garage and Social in Van Nuys, California. Yeah, quite the spot. What a space. And, um, you know, everywhere you look, there's a piece of memorabilia or model car or a book that you just want to pull off the shelf. I love it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Who's behind this? There's Haggerty, but then you said there's also... Patrick Long, racer Patrick Long, and of course, Rod Emery, who builds some of the most amazing custom 356s and other cars, but primarily 356s. Just down the street here, yeah. 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 Rod's a great guy. They both are. They're both extremely hard workers. And uh, yeah, their influence is all over this place. Yes. Yeah. It's interior design done well, but with the car theme, you know, it's like everything is very nice and, and well picked out here. So yeah, there's, yeah. there's no details that are, um, th- that have been overlooked here. Mm-hmm. So, but you guys have mm-hmm. been on a whirlwind tour of Los Angeles. A little bit. Yeah. Always yeah. like coming here, you know, it's like the mothership. Yeah. yeah. You know, Colorado's wonderful, great roads, great car people, but there's only one California, right? Only one LA. Well, and it's always a nice uh, in the doldrums of uh, the the Colorado winter to come here um, and get kind of a kind of get reinvigorated again. You know, yeah. you guys have uh, such great weather here, and the cars are just always out, so we like that a lot. So, and what are we drinking here? You were very kind. You brought us a, well, an amazingly a, delicious drink here. Yeah, this is a twelve-year-old Balvenie single malt Scotch whiskey, and I just thought it's Friday. <laughs> <laughs> it's nearly the cocktail hour. It's yeah. at least noon somewhere. It's, got, it's close enough. It's a, it, we're from Denver, so we're already into cocktail that's, hour. That's, there you go. So, well into yeah, it. So, and you're such yeah, a class yeah. act that uh, you brought glass glasses, Maurice. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you. can't say the yeah, steering committee would have done that. So. <laughs> we, we may not have thought that far ahead, but well done. Well Solo done, cups so. have their place. But yeah, they do. Yeah. They do. These yeah. are a little harder to play flip cup with, but crystal. But So, you know, we talked a bit before we recorded why we do this. Right. Like what, what's, what's the motivator here? Because, you know, we come to a place, you know, we take these trips, it costs money. It's what's pushing us every day. Well, I'll tell you how it happened for me. Like most great ideas in the world, it happened over cocktails. (laughs) 
Mm. <laughs> Just um, think what we'll come up with here in the next hour. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. This is how we solve the world's problems, right? <laughs> Around the table with a maybe a stiff drink. But no, uh, some friends and I were, were having beers and we were all, we're all car guys. Yeah. And one of them said, you know, we have all these great conversations, but they are, they go out into the ether. Like we don't capture them. We should do a podcast. <laughs> Sounds and familiar. He, he turned to me, he said, you, you were, I was a television producer at one time. So that's my background. He said, you've got experience, you know, doing this kind of stuff. So the two of us started to develop the show horsepower heritage. And, um, in about a 30 day stretch of time where we had begun to really be serious about this thing, his business just took off mm. and he had to bow out. Mm. But I was already too committed. Yeah. And I thought this is going to be terrific. I really, I mean, I had purchased equipment. I'd been doing all kinds of research and I already had a list of, uh, you know, a wish list of guests. So I just hit the ground running three and a half years later. I'm at episode 110. Okay. Hmm. And it's been terrific. And, you know, you meet the nicest people. You really do. And I think mm-hmm. that's what it's all about. The doors it opens, the opportunities, the experiences. It's just wouldn't have any of this if it wasn't for this excuse we call the podcast, right? Yeah. And, that, and that's the tagline of my show, the people and stories behind the machines. Because yeah. it really is about, we can talk about dry performance figures and, yeah. and engine displacements and all of that. But ultimately, it's the people behind it that I really am fascinated by. And you've mm-hmm. had some amazing folks on. I know we've had some of the same people. I know you've had Bruce Meyer on. You've had Terry Cargus from the Peterson Museum. But how do you connect with these people? Is it just... Uh, you know, it's... You gradually build trust. Now, I have a particular advantage, which is that I'm in Southern California, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so I run into these people at events. It's a small world, the car world. It so is. we're yeah. connected and, and you get introductions through friends and whatnot. And a lot of people, I just pitch them. I just say, look, I would love to have you in the show. And I think I've had two people say no. Isn't well, that amazing? You, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I think what we found is that, you know, a lot of people want to talk about cars. They maybe can't do it in their everyday life, depending on who's around them. And they love the idea of having the excuse of just, you know, let's turn on the microphones, let's relax, and let's just start talking. We run into, and maybe you you have as well, like maybe people are nervous. They don't think they're going to be a good guest, or they don't think they're going to have anything interesting to say. And then by the end of it, they want to come back and do part two, basically, right at the end of it. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. an easy thing to do, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty low bar. You sit around like we're sitting around right now. You open up some nice scotch and, mm-hmm. and you shoot the shit. I mean, like, you know, yeah. what's easier than that? Right. right. It should, yeah, it should be that easy. Yeah. Now you guys, I have to say that y- your show distinguishes itself by virtue of the relaxed atmosphere. Mm. I'm a little bit tighter. Yes, you are. I'm a little I, bit tired. That's just me. Yes. I refer to you as the professor. I think the first time we connected, right? <laughs> Thank mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I really try to delve into the history if it's an interview, I want to capture the essence of whatever it is, if that makes sense. So conversation is great, but I also, I'm just really ultimately incredibly curious about this person, their career, what, what they do. So I'm a little bit tighter in that way. And the other thing is I've done, um, and I have not done this in a while, but I, I do what I call storytelling episodes, which I know you've heard them. They're basically mm-hmm. audio documentaries. Mm-hmm. It's me narrating. I've got you know, music in there. And I've, I may have, uh, archival sound things of that nature, but those episodes are really fun. I pick a subject I'm fascinated with and I run with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those are kind of, that's what I do, but you guys, you have this nice, easy conversational thing going. I listen to your guys show in the garage when I'm turning wrenches mm. or, you know, in the car, and it's just, it takes me away. It's Calgon. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I love that. I love that. Well, and your, your show is it. one of the few that I don't miss, right? Um, Thank you. I listen to Spike's Car Radio. I think you listen to Spike's. I, I think we all, listen, all appreciate Spike's Car Radio, Smoking mm-hmm. Tire. What else do you listen to when you sit down? Or I shouldn't say sit down. You're out there wrenching. Right. Mm-hmm. Car, in terms of car podcasts? Car pop, or Yeah. Or you YouTubers. Know, or, I listen to the Ignition podcast. Yeah young guy out of England called Harry Fipers. Okay. Terrific. Shout kid. out Harry. Yeah. Shout out to Harry. I listened to the intercooler uh-huh. with Dan Prosser and Andrew Frankel, yep. also a UK podcast. Those guys are fantastic mm-hmm. outside of automotive. I love Lex Friedman. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I listen to Joe Rogan. Sure. I, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the big names like that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I, I consume probably 25 hours of podcasts a week. Really? Mm-hmm. Just because, yeah, it's just my thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You like to just have it on the background a lot and just while you're doing other work kind of thing. On in yeah. the background. I yeah. don't listen to music as much as mm-hmm. I used to mm-hmm. for whatever reason. What is that? I think mm-hmm. I, I, it's the same for me. I used to listen to music all the time. And I don't know if it's just I can't. I don't feel like I can sit down and just listen to music critically like I used to. Like, I feel like I need to be doing something. Right. Right. And then you might as well be learning something or, or listening to a podcast or whatever. But, yeah. uh, well, that's, that's sort of, that's, since it's a new medium, I mean, it's kind of come into our lives. It takes away a little bit of our attention. You know, what you might've been just had music on the background. Now you have a podcast. So yeah, yeah. I still, I still try and get to some new music, but uh, it's hard. It's harder and harder to, to do that. So. Well, I think part of it is how we consume information. Mm. So Mm. we've got so many choices, but most of those choices are pushing marketing at you every second. I mean, Mm. open up any news website and the pop-up ads and the, Mm -hmm. just all of the, all of the advertising is like an assault. It's hard to actually find the text of the article sometimes. Yep. Yep. Um, by the same token, I, I don't watch television. If I'm watching something, it's usually YouTube. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And YouTube, it's like, it's a multiverse, yep. which mm-hmm. I love. Mm-hmm. So at one point I'll be watching, um, I'll, I'll go on a, uh, like a marathon of will it run videos where these mm-hmm. guys pull these derelict <laughs> cars out of the bushes and yeah. <laughs> get them running. Mm-hmm. Or I'll be doing a home improvement or, you know, I'll sit and watch Mr. Beast with my son. He's like he, the biggest YouTuber, right? I think he might be the biggest, but um, the guy's spending half a million dollars on a single video yeah. just in like set dressing and stuff. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned actually turning wrenches and, you know, you had posed a question earlier about, you know, how deep does a car guy need to be or what is it to be a car person? Right. You know, right. we talked a little bit with Lindsay uh, Jess yesterday about what that label means. Is it negative? Is it, is it positive? What does that entail? Because I'm not a wrench. I'd break something. I wish that I was. I just didn't grow up. I didn't learn. I've got a space now. I've got two lifts in my garage that look pretty. I need to probably do that. But you grew up wrenching on cars. You've got a garage with some really interesting stuff in it. Hmm. I mean, I'm a car guy, but you're really a car guy. Well, thank you. I was forced to wrench out of necessity Hmm. in high school and college, not having the money to be able to take care of these cars I was Dragging home, mm-hmm. mostly BMW 2002s. Oh, by really? The way. And you were yeah. in California at the time? No, I was in Arizona. In at Arizona, the time. Mm. but have lived in California for like 25 yeah. years now. But um, and those are kind of my first love. You know, I I really like muscle cars, mm. but at the time, this tiny, nimble little they called the 2002 the giant killer. Yeah, mm-hmm. David E. Davis wrote a very famous piece on it called "Turn Your Hymnals to 2002." Right, mm. and that car was, it really was a giant killer. Yeah. You couldn't keep up with the 2002 and the twisties in your Mustang or in your Camaro. And that just was attractive to me. And this is a car that had what, a hundred horsepower unless it was a TII and then yeah. it had 140 or something. Exactly. Right. Which yeah. Is the numbers we laugh at today, yeah. right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that, what is that? Right. I mean, a, a clapped out Sentra burning oil <laughs> yeah. could smoke a 2002. Yeah. 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 It's crazy, but, but it's true. Yeah, but they were just wonderful little cars. Yeah. That's really what I what I was into early on. Over the years, have gotten into Land Rovers. I've had some Mercedes Benz cars, yeah. uh, BMW motorcycles, a mm. little bit of everything. Uh, recently, I bought a 1931 Model A Roadster. I mean, you just decided well, I need a Model A, or this fell into your lap, or is this? Uh... I've I've been wanting a pre-war car for okay. a long time, mm-hmm. and I've been wanting. Not necessarily a hot rod, but at least a jalopy. Mm. I, I call it a jalopy because I don't think I'm going to put a V8 in it or Good. Put, yeah. put juice yeah. brakes in it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, got, it's got Henry Ford mechanical brakes <laughs> like he wanted it. Yeah. Um, it's got a four banger, 200 cubic inches, torquey little motor, mm-hmm. you know, not fast, but fun to drive. Yeah. Yeah, what what's like the most surprising part about driving that kind of car, like a, like a stock Model A now, pre-war car? The simplicity, yeah. I, I don't know that it's surprising, but it's kind of delightful how simple it is. Mm. It hadn't run for decades. The guy I bought it from dragged it out of uh, an old service station in Tennessee. Really? Hmm. I saw it on Instagram. I communicated with him immediately. I It was sold within the hour of him posting it. I It was an impulse buy. <laughs> I, I won't lie to you. 
but it was a good impulse buy. My son and I have gotten it running again. It had a blown head gasket. We mm. put it all on the YouTube channel. Mm. Um, so people can follow along if they want. Check out Horsepower Heritage on YouTube and, and see uh, the, the, the pitfalls and joys of owning a really old car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, no, it's, it's a lot of fun to drive. And um, it, stuff is still breaking <laughs> Even though we've got it back on the road, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yesterday, you're we, going through you're going through trials right now, as, as like the military would say, with like, like a new ship. Yeah, new yeah. ship. We're putting out to sea trials right now. Yeah. Just so, yesterday, yeah. we were driving up the block, and the dashboard started smoking, huh. and I shut it off. <laughs> we pulled over. My ammeter had burned up, uh, but you would not believe the smoke that came out of really? that dashboard. Yeah, <laughs> my son was like, "How are we going to get home?" I said, "What are you talking about? Yeah. I'm going to do a U-turn, and we're going to just coast down the road." Mm-hmm. And that's what we did. What's mm-hmm. the difference between the Model T and the Model A? Because if you don't know, they, they appear to be very similar. So the Model T came out in 1908, okay, and it was not Henry Ford's first car, but it was his first mass market car. And mm-hmm. we all know about Ford's big claim to fame was the assembly line, yeah, right, yeah. and mass flexible mass production. And um, the Model T was really the American Volkswagen, if you think about it. I mean, mm-hmm. it was the car that built the United States. It expanded people's uh, opportunities to explore because you didn't have to, now. Now suddenly you could afford a car. You didn't have to get a train ticket. Um, it induced road building. Uh, and by the way, they're they're extremely good off road. They have. Lots of ground clearance. They're very durable cars. And this mm-hmm. was out of necessity, I'm sure, at the Absolutely. time, right? I mean, it was just... Uh, yeah. But I mean, it, it, to your point, I mean, before that, um, uh, many people almost spent their entire life very close to where they were from. They didn't necessarily get around and move that far. But now you were, you were mobile, you were out, you were, you know, interstate commerce takes off. Still a few exactly people like that out there, like but that. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's each, each industrialized nation really has one car that really yeah, that's got true. everybody up and going. It's a and two out CV, there, so. right? For France, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, right. The, yeah. the Cinque Checa. Am I saying that right? Or, or Cinque Cento? Right. Yeah. Europe, a lot of, with Europe, it's a lot of after World War II, but yeah, something got them up and going again and got them moving around. The mini. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the Model T, first of all, Henry Ford wanted his own employees to be able to afford his cars. Mm-hmm. So the price point actually went down year after year mm-hmm. on the Model T. Finally, it, re- it really reached its end in the late 20s. And Edsel Ford, Henry Ford's son, convinced him we need to, a new model. And that was the Model A. Okay. A much improved, much less crude car. Still a four-cylinder, you know, uh, flathead engine. Mm-hmm. It's still extremely simple. Is it, because uh, I've heard, I've not driven a Model T. I, I don't know if you have by any chance. I uh, haven't. Like dri- a stock one. No, I've, dr- yeah. I've ridden in, in several Model Ts. I've never actually driven one. Because it's, it, am I right in thinking that the controls are, they're similar, but not quite the same as what we're used to. <laughs> the transmission um, has bands in yeah. it. Oh, and wow. so, yeah. uh, you have a pedal for forward and a pedal for reverse. Mm-hmm. It's really weird. Yeah, well, they were still it, figuring it out. Yeah, you know, exactly. they hadn't. Yeah, things hadn't like uh, they hadn't uh, you know standardized if you will, at that point. At least they didn't so. have a tiller, right? You know, yeah. right? It was, yeah. Which America's first really successful mass production car, uh, the uh, Curve Dash Oldsmobile, had a tiller. Uh, okay. Yeah. 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 But like by the time they got to the Model A, it, would we, as modern drivers, would we recognize that more? Would we be more familiar with the inputs and the controls on that? The on, the mod- on the Model A? On the Model A, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's standard shift, three speed on the floor. Mm-hmm. First is down and towards you. Second, up and away. And third is down and away. Mm-hmm. Reverse is up and towards you. No mm-hmm. synchros there. No synchros, <laughs> no. So you're double clutching, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and incidentally, the three-speed transmission persisted for a long time for a couple of reasons, but one, not the least of which was that more and more women were driving. And they wanted to make it easier for women to operate the car. One less gear. The torque of those early engines was such that you could, many of them, you could start out in top gear. Mm. Really? Mm. Um, and so it, it would just, it, you know, women were definitely influential on even early car development. Mm. So That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. At least that was the thinking, right? Like they that needed was the to, thinking. Yeah, interesting. So by the Model A, were the pedals? Uh, standardized. Standardized. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So wow. we'd be familiar, it would be a familiar three-pedal setup, right. transmission where it should be. Everything is the same, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. in contrast to some European makes still had a center throttle at mm-hmm. that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
which is really, I mean, you better be paying attention. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you're one of these guys that like works at these, like uh, these collections or an auction where you might be jumping around and moving things around all the time, that must be like very nerve wracking. Well, hell, maybe you some jump of these into, guys here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that's what these guys are like. They, they don't know what they're jumping into next. Yeah. And suddenly the, ga- the the pedals in a different place altogether. Yeah. So, British yeah. motorcycles too, you know, mm, clutching, yeah. clutching foot brake reversed yeah. you know so oh wow yeah. oh, oh okay. or, or rather sh- shifter yeah, and foot yeah, brake yeah. reversed oh, yeah. okay yeah, yeah. yeah so you got this car home yeah and let's just remind the listeners you're in southern california so you when you take this car out you are in modern traffic is that uh, a thrill i'm used to driving slow cars in modern traffic i've had land rovers for 30 years. Well, there you go okay <laughs> um Used to breaking down in modern traffic. <laughs> <laughs> but the Model A, it, you can do it. You can take it out on, on modern roads. Can you take it on the like highways and things I like that? I haven't had it on the freeway yeah. yet. And yeah. I, I've only had the car up to about 48 miles an hour, but uh. she felt like she wanted to go farther. Really? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that bodes well. And um, once I get this, this ammeter uh, fixed and uh, we've got a slight exhaust leak that I haven't been able to quite plug up yet. In fact, the other day, the other day, <laughs> sorry, I saw a picture. It looked like a little more than this one. <laughs> yeah. So the other day, well, this is the thing about wrenching on old cars and owning really old cars, especially resurrecting them, you know, recommissioning them is your next breakdown is just around the corner. Mm-hmm. The next thing is it's getting ready to pop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in this case, the car started to sputter last week and then I couldn't start it. So I pulled the condenser, the, the distributor condenser out, which is, a, it's a capacitor, okay. right? Mm-hmm. And I tested it and it tested bad. It's very common on Model A's for those to, to go bad. Mm-hmm. Replace that. But in the course of my troubleshooting, I thought, well, maybe my time, my ignition timing has wandered. Mm. So I reset the timing on the car and I don't know what I did wrong, but it backfired so well. I, I know exactly what I did wrong. <laughs> The, the problem the whole time was the condenser. It was bad. Mm-hmm. So I'm not getting a strong spark. So we don't have combustion. But the whole time I'm trying to start the car, I'm loading the thing up with a fuel air mixture. And it's just sitting mm-hmm. in the yeah. intake manifold. It's sitting in the cylinders. Mm-hmm. When I did finally get a spark, the backfire was so intense. It blew a hole in the muffler. (laughs) I mean, a Looney Tunes hole in the muffler. You saw the picture. Okay. My neighbors came out to see what was wrong. Yeah. You know, everyone figured like a transformer had blown up or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 Or something bigger. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, what's the, what is the parts, um, I guess sort of support like for something like that? Okay. So this is the other good thing. And I would encourage people uh, if you're at all interested in really old cars, mm-hmm. Model A's and Model T's are where it's at. Mm-hmm. The part support is better than any other car of that era. Mm-hmm. The clubs, the knowledge, the the people that are into this stuff, they're out there. Now, most of them are of advanced age, but <laughs> there are m- younger people sure. getting involved all the time. Yeah, and you, so what you're saying is that there's some deals to be had if you... Uh Oh, it's definitely yeah. a buyer's yeah, market. Yeah, you yeah, can yeah. get a really nice Model T for about $15,000. Really? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Really nice. And how many cars can you say that for? You know? Yeah, and ready to tour. And by the way, yeah. these people take their cars on long huh. tours. So, yeah, I would say that those, if you want a really old car, mm-hmm. you want to start to learn and not be intimidated and be able to buy parts. Yeah. I walk up to the counter. At, shout out to CW Moss Ford parts in orange, California. Mm. Mm. I walk up to the counter and I get what I need and I am home and oh. turning wrenches instead of waiting and or searching it, on eBay for yeah. parts. Are there, are there companies like reproducing these parts now? I assume it's, I assume we're not getting, we're not talking new old stock at this point, right? It's someone, there's like a whole cottage industry of, of yeah, parts manufacturers. They're repro parts yeah. And, yeah. and the quality varies of course, but, yeah. but yeah, um, it's, that's incredible. It's yeah. a whole lot of fun. And yeah. you know, for, for my son and I, that's really, why I bought this car. It was a project for the two of us. I wanted him to learn. I wanted to pass along mm-hmm. the, the car passion and he's going to learn to drive on the model a. So nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So, wow. Not, now you, not only teaching him to drive manual, which is, that's something we all need to be doing. You're teaching him the pre-war car. That's, that's a, <laughs> he's getting a, a world-class education there. So would you say your model a is more reliable than your land rovers? 
Uh, not yet, okay. not yet, but it, it will it will be at least as reliable. In fact, it'll probably be more reliable because there are fewer things to go wrong on a Model A. I think yeah. I think the car has about twelve wires in the whole thing. Mm. Wild, yeah, yeah. You have series Land Rovers. Is that I have I have a nineteen sixty series two okay. station wagon, a one hundred nine, the long wheelbase. Nice, mm-hmm. nice. I have a nineteen fifty three series one, and I have a nineteen sixty eight. Land Rover Series 2A short wheelbase, mm-hmm. 88 inch wheelbase. You must also have a barn or something. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I just yeah. I, the The garage is full. The driveway is full. Yeah. I've got mul- I've got lots of space, but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's all taken. I love it. If you have space, you will fill it. Yeah, no, yeah. that's at yeah. least that's what I'm hoping will happen. We're kind of, yeah, we're kind of like goldfish in that way. We just grow to the size of whatever <laughs> whatever container we have. So yeah, but um, you guys are both yeah. Porsche guys. Eh. He de- well, you definitely are, right? We're not gonna yeah, we're not so gonna break news on this. Porsche Wait, guys, yeah. and then there were Porsche guys, right? Okay. I own one Porsche. I'm I'm damn near 50 years old. I've yeah. had three in my life. I mean, some of these guys are into you know three figures and <laughs> that kind of thing. It, and I have one modern Porsche. I've never owned an air cooled. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of a, um, you know, a mark of a, of a true Porsche guy. I just haven't, uh, it's all about time and it's all about money. Right. I mean, it's tough to even find time to buy or to, to drive what I have, but, um, right. but I am a Porsche guy. You like and, Porsches though. And the you reason like German, you like German cars. I do. My, you know, yeah. you mentioned yeah. the O2 is my first car was a 320, mm-hmm. the, you sure. know, mm-hmm. the, the, <laughs> the ugly cousin to the, you know, the beautiful <laughs> yeah. O2. Right. You know? But it was a quantum leap from the 2002. It, it was, although I think the powertrain was basically the, basically the, the carryover. same M10 engine. Yeah. Yeah. Mine was a little later. It wasn't, mine was an 81. So it was okay. the five speed fuel injection. Right. And I'll, actually I think a, a little less power or torque uh, along the way because it was a Malays era car by that point. Yes, you know. Yes, you know, mm. and and so I always enjoyed uh, German cars. We had Volkswagens growing up, mm. diesel Volkswagens. <laughs> so you know, we're talking mm. forty-seven horsepower Dasher wagons and and that yeah. kind of thing. But, but having that kind of thing growing up in the Midwest though was was unusual, right? Oh, they were still slow, but yeah, I'll never. Well, forget. I, didn't, I didn't say they were fast. It was unusual. <laughs> it was unusual. Yeah. In fact, I used to get goofed <laughs> yeah. on getting yeah. dropped off at school because you know what yeah. your Volkswagen. What they didn't know is we'd spent more on that than their you know their yeah. parents had on their Chrysler minivan, but mm-hmm. eventually we went that direction too. And, mm-hmm. um, but I always had a thing for German cars. I remember my dad got a, uh, an E30 when I was younger, so, red one with gold BBS wheels. And I just thought that thing was amazing. Um, and kind of got me going into the cars again. I couldn't afford that. So I spent uh, $2,000 on my 320i and I always had a German car. I think since well, I had one Volvo along the way, but otherwise mm-hmm. it's been all German and a Honda. There was a Honda, oh, and a Honda too, yeah. but that was, yeah. I also, I may have been the only guy in, in the land that had, both a, uh, a Honda Fit five-speed mm-hmm. transmission sure. and, and a 997. So uh, <laughs> you yeah. talk about, you know, driving to the car you're, you're in or whatever, you know, what kind yeah. of mood am I in today? But uh, yeah, but fell down that, that Porsche rabbit hole. And I, I think that, I think Porsche is easy, right? Like as far as sports cars go, they're reliable, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they're a little sterile, but it's the easy choice, right? Maybe someday I'll challenge myself and I'll, I'll get into British cars or, you know, something a little more esoteric, but hmm. it's, people think of Porsche as a sterile. I've never heard that term. I mean, they're, well, I mean, I know uh, I, right now they're, they're, you know, in terms of purveyors of sports cars, they're doing the best. Cause oh, every I mean, time yeah, everyone builds like a, a, a Porsche fighter, like a, yeah. a Cayman fighter or a 911 fighter. And it, it's like, but the Porsche is still I think better, what I mean so. by that is my Porsches have been the most reliable cars I've ever owned. None of them have required anything more than oil changes and tires. And what models are we talking about? I had a 2005 911S, so that it was the launch edition. Mm-hmm. I bought it with you know 9,000 miles for, for when it was four years old, but it was uh, had the, the PCCB brakes and you know all the all the stuff. Uh, so a, a 2005 997, so a .1 in, mm-hmm. in Porsche parlance, and then mm-hmm. uh, had that when we moved to Colorado from Chicago, and and uh, realized that uh, we bought our first house, and um, I couldn't really afford a house and a Porsche. <laughs> so that, that was sold pretty quickly. Uh, yeah. but within a year or so I, I bought I saw, a, I saw it briefly. That was when yeah, I first it was a beautiful you. car. Yeah, it was it, a gorgeous car. Yeah, I should also so. say at the time, you know, I, I, I had the uh, misfortune discovering forums on the internet mm. and you know how dangerous forums can be. I mean, you can, you can find some, some, some gold in forums, but you can also fall down those rabbit holes of fear and paranoia. And, you know, uh, at the time uh, the RMS and the IMS issues and bore scoring. And so, I thought I better get rid of this thing before it falls apart. 
know, and, hmm. and I, of course, you know, now we know how silly that was. It was such a small number, but then, uh, yeah. And in, in 17, I bought a, a base Cayman. I would think I was the only guy in the land excited about a turbo four cylinder Cayman, but in, in Colorado, hmm. you know, forced induction is a, you know, it's something you sh- you got to think about, you know, uh, uh, altitude, you know, power loss is a thing. Yeah. Um, and then in, in it gets, I mean, it's gotten that bad rap because of going from a six cylinder to a four turbo, but that was a highly capable car. It, it really was model, kept up was with some highly capable faster car. stuff. Yeah. But then yeah. when the, when the 17 GT four came out, I said, I, you know, mm-hmm. I had to have that. That was mm-hmm. just my dream car. And, and, uh, that was one of those things just sort of fell into, there was a time when you could buy those off the lot yeah. and so, Porsche South Bay here. It's from had, here. It's a local. Yeah. Area. Had yeah. the car I wanted. I didn't have much of a budget, so it was a lightly optioned car. And our friends at Porsche at Colorado Springs in, in, in Colorado, uh, were able to get that as a trade. And next thing I knew I I'd committed to buying a car financing was about 2% at the time. So the stars aligned and it's things like that, that have allowed me to be a Porsche guy, uh, but now I'm hooked. Now I'm hooked. I, I, I you know, as, as long as I can afford to do it, I'll, I'll have a Porsche in the garage that just, it, it, it fits me personality wise. They're, they're reliable. I love the way they drive. They're great Canyon carvers, but that's, mm-hmm. that's my answer. And, mm-hmm. and I guess the other part of that answer is I'm just not very adventurous. <laughs> Yeah. And that's where you come in. <laughs> well, no, I, I agree with you on, on all points, Porsche related. I mean, they're terrific cars. Uh, a lot has been said of the evolutionary nature of Porsche. Yeah. They don't, they don't try to rewrite the book yep. every few years, like some manufacturers might. Uh, they're not gimmicky for the most part. I would say there's there's an element of that that's crept in in the last few years just by virtue of the marketing. Yeah. But they're solid incrementally improved engineering um and they do what they do extremely well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's I mean that is a great way to build a reliable car is to look at it and be like, well this is working. There's no reason to have to change this. You know, it's behind a firewall anyway, so no one sees it. And if, if we've kind of developed like, you know, all those little tiny gains, you build like the perfect wire harness, you build the the, the plastic clip that holds that on perfectly. Like, why do we have to reinvent that? And uh, yeah, and I think they are, they are, they're an evolution. I mean, they kept the, f- I mean, how long the, the G body that went out in 1989, right? That's, that's yeah. almost directly related to the original, you know, 911. There was like an evolution of that model along 25 the entire ways there. years or whatever it was, yeah. you know, yeah. so. So, yeah. I always so. think about Porsche at Le Mans. You know, in the early years, campaigning the Pushrod 356s, and in under 20 years, they're winning with the mm-hmm. 917. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the progression along the way is what's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't try to bite Le Mans off in one mm-hmm. in one chunk mm-hmm. you know it was incremental mm-hmm. and there were a lot of reasons for that obviously you know they didn't have the racing capital that some other some other manufacturers did but mm-hmm. i don't know it's just it's it's an ethos and i like that yeah yeah well and and, and you get the impression that every time they figured out something that worked you know and they had the same approach to their production cars road cars race cars they would it's almost like we methodically catalog that we have that here. We have access to that data and we, and we improve a little bit more and we improve a little bit more. And that's why, you know, as you get into the seventies, eighties, they're dominating, they're dominating. I mean, they're, are they still the number one manufacturer winning? Yeah. Right. You are, sir. Oh, oh, right on the bed, yeah. And now, you know, yeah, I, I didn't know that. And now I do listen. I want to shift gears yeah. on you guys. Well I, done. I hate those puns. <laughs> I promise it's the last time we'll do it. But, but you, you're, Amelia Island bound next week. Yes. We are. Yeah. Have you been? I have, and it's terrific. It's, what, yeah. what do we need to know? Yeah. It's free and easy. It's relaxed. It's the most down-to-earth Concord elegance you'll, you'll attend. So in contrast to Pebble Beach, yeah. which is a little bit highfalutin, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amelia Island is much more approachable. I mean, we figured Florida, right? How bad can it be, you know, for a couple of jamokes and jeans like right. us, you know, it's, mm-hmm. uh, so it's, there's the concord aspect of it. There's the auction aspect. There's the social aspect. Mm-hmm. I mean, what I think we're going to Radwood too. Radwood is, Radwood's a part of it. Yeah. And that. all the little satellite gatherings. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Works reunion is great. The flavor of everything you do at Amelia Island, like I said, is much more relaxed. And the pace is slower, yeah. too. 
because Monterey Car Week is it's ridiculous. It's like being in Vegas for a week. It's intimidating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can totally relate. And but yeah, you guys are going to have a great time. Now, definitely do as much auction as you can stand mm-hmm. because it's a pop up car show, right? And it's fun to watch them cross the block. There's terrific cars on offer this year. Um, you're, you guys are going to have a terrific time. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, like you said, sort of seeing the, one of these big auctions go off and maybe seeing something go well, for you know record-breaking prices or something like that. My plan so, is to yeah. get Doug drunk and have him come home with a uh, 300 SL. Yeah. They do, <laughs> I think they do credit checks <laughs> they before do, they, they let you, they let you do On the spot that. financing yeah. at right. Amelia they're Island. Gonna be, <laughs> they're going to be very, they're gonna be very <laughs> disappointed. So, yeah. So. But, um, but yeah, but I mean, it, it's a, and it's a great because well, it's again in the winter, it's sort of like coming out of the, yeah, and we're, we're excited to go to somewhere warm and see nice cars list. again. Yeah. Bucket yeah. list so, car things. Are you guys yeah. planning on recording while you're there? I don't know. I, you know, it's, this is this stuff, this stuff gets heavy. I yeah. might just want to go with a handheld recorder and, and, you know, f- make it easy mm-hmm. just enjoy it. You know, I think that happens too often. We're so busy trying to document the experience that we don't live the experience, right? Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. We know? might have to do and, kind of just a, a nice post uh, wrap up of it after we get back and had some time to think about it. Yeah, so, you know, people yeah. goof on me. We have this yeah. friend Dan McGinnis who I think we reference every podcast episode. How are you enjoying that free GT4, Dan? But you know, he very famously <laughs> has this uh, Spider, this twenty two Spider with a seventy thousand miles on it, and I've got a, 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 a nineteen twenty. That's you. Uh, tw- thank you. 2020. 2020, yeah. right? Uh, GT4 that only has about 9,000 miles on it. But if I took the time to drive that we take to do the podcast and to edit, I'd have three times the miles. It's just- I know exactly what you're saying. It's much better to enjoy yourself. Yeah. Do some networking, yeah. meet some people, Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and not worry about this. And um, furthermore, it's really difficult to sort of capture what's going on in this format. Yep. So that's it. Everyone's gonna be so wound up and it's just, I, yeah, I don't know. You tell us, but I, I don't know if it'll be the ideal. If there's a, an opportunity, uh, you know, we'll take it. But, um, well, it's, I would say interviews are out because yeah. everyone's got a tight schedule. Yes, yes. So even if you tried to catch somebody, it's just not, it's not conducive. Just enjoy yourselves. Yeah. Enjoy the experience. Learn as much as you can. And, yeah. and like I said, just meet people and network. See, I needed to hear that. Yeah, yeah, I, need I think that's a good, that. no, it's good yeah. advice. That's sage advice. So, we know we've yeah. never been to Amelia, so. but sometimes we go to these events, you know, we're, we're pretty heavily involved with the Colorado Grand, uh, yes. you know, shout yeah. out Tom Horan and, 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 and the Colorado Grand. Guy. I've really enjoyed you uh, relating your grand experiences in a, a multiple episodes. Mm-hmm. Well, pre- it was fun. I appreciate to that. Yeah. And I bring that up because that's one of those things where sometimes you just, you have to hit record. You just, you got to let it out, right? The, you know, your impressions, you're just, you know, this is an event that, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but if either one of us are, were going to be involved in this organically, it was probably going to be a few years, right? I mean, we're just, you know, mm-hmm. Colorado Grand requires a certain car, requires a certain bank account <laughs> right. required, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, and, and, and to just to be a part of that and you sort of have to pinch yourself. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that is, I mean, that's, that's an event that I became aware of before we did this a long time before we did this, just randomly coming across it and just to, you know, now to sort of have been had an opportunity to go in there and, and, and live and breathe it for a little while. It's, it's such an amazing, unique experience. I mean, it's like being transported back in time. You know, you're sitting in a hotel and you're seeing pre-war Bentleys and Rileys, you know, you know, the cars that, you know, the cars I had to look up, I mean, cars I hadn't even heard of Yeah, sort of pulling through, you know, the portico of these hotels as if it's just 19, you know, 29 again. I so, think we had four yeah. Elvises, so, Alvi, yeah. whatever, on the light, you know, I mean, who, who has that? You yeah. know, it's, yeah, I know. it's another one I had to look up. I mean, it, you know, and, 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 and you and I, like we grew up learning about cars and obsessing yeah. over them. And some of these cars were like, oh, not heard of that one. Let's look into it. And then you learn about that and you learn about the history. You see this these parking garages all over Colorado with just, you know, incredible hardware just parked from, 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 you know, all the way across to the other end of the hall. Basically it's just incredible. So Which, by the way, I understand there's a Lotus Carlton in the garage across the way. Do you know what the Lotus Carlton is? I do. Yeah. This was like the, the, the hooligan car, the most stolen car, the fastest four door, I think saloon car right. until maybe the M five, uh, yeah. one of the versions of the M five, yeah. never seen one in the flesh. I am obsessed with these things. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, 
Doug's parents were buying Peugeots. I don't know if you know about this. Oh. <laughs> we're going to get into that. I'm fascinated yeah. with this. Yeah, yeah, no, they are. We're going to lean on this because... I, I, well, I grew up in New England, uh, just outside of Boston. Um, the Peugeots were... I, I wouldn't say they were common, but they were. I feel like they were slightly more common than maybe you're used to in okay. growing up in the Midwest. Yeah, there but, was not yeah. a Peugeot dealer in Indianapolis. That there was, I'm pretty sure. It yeah. was a wild thing when BMW came to town. So there was a, yeah, there's a handful of dealers. Um, Foreign Motors West was where we had ours. Uh, where Jay John Leno Mitchell. worked, right? That's right. That's I've, right. I've, I've, I've since learned that that's where he that was like where he kind of got his first job you know sweeping sure. out the sweeping out the uh you know the garage there but um yeah they and this particular foreign motors west had Peugeot was the entry level it had uh bentley rolls royce uh range rover and i think mercedes-benz were the were the four marks that they offered at this little dealership but my mom uh she loved her uh, her peugeots so we had two back-to-back 505 station wagons in the late 80s early 90s so as a, those were the first two cars i kind of remember growing up so yeah oh. Some family friends had a 505 sedan. I remember a lot of trips in that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And it was, I mean, at the time, this was prior to me really becoming a car guy, but I knew it was weird at the time. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. What yeah. was their last gasp? It was the, the M4i or something. I remember Jamie Kidman. The from, 406. Yeah, the 406. Yeah. Uh, and right. it was a real aggressive model with, with yeah. Yeah. Airdam and everything. Pretty good. Looking back, it looked a little old even for the time. But Jamie Kitman, who used to write for sure. uh, automobile, automobile Magazine, I think he was also the manager for the band. Um, they Might Be Giants. They Might Be Giants. Yeah. You've got a good memory, sir. Yeah, that's... Uh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. So you were reading Automobile Magazine? I wasn't the only I, Oh, weirdo. yeah. I was an automobile subscriber uh, from issue number one. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. were always different. That was a little bit different. Because they was, broke right? off, right? It was a bunch of people who broke off from somewhere else, wasn't it? David E. Davis was the yeah. publisher. Oh, yeah. 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 Right. Who uh, Gene Lindemood, I think. Gene Lindemood, yeah. sure. Yep. Yeah. 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 So you grew up, We, you know, we, we talked about, I was a car and driver guy. Doug was a road and track guy. What was your poison? What was your Bible? Road and track was great. Yeah. Super analytical. Yeah. I mean, you remember the graphs and everything? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those mean, technical drawings. Right, yes. Yeah. They yeah. took themselves very seriously yeah. for good reason. Mm-hmm. I loved Car and Driver though. Loved Brock Yates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Loved Peter Egan. Peter, Peter Egan, Wisconsin guy. Yeah. You yeah. know, um, fat, fabulous writer. And what I like about him is I know most of the places he writes about. He, yes. had, a, he had a great one. And it's later, obviously, because it's based on the car. But it was, a, it was a Morgan three-wheeler and he took it on an epic trip around Wisconsin. Right. And the way he was describing going to like driving down these you know amazing roads in the, yeah. in the woods of Wisconsin, stopping at supper clubs. I mean, it just sounded so appealing to me, the way yeah. he was describing it. No, no. We didn't have YouTube. Oh, right. We didn't have the internet. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about you this know, the other day. We're all roughly the uh, same age. I mean, we just didn't have this. I was literally thinking about this the other day. I remember like in, so in the first like 20 years of my car experience, I think I saw, I saw one F40, one video of one F40 power sliding. And then like the roof, uh, Yellowbird going around the Nuremberg ring. That was it on a copy of a VHS. Yeah, or something, and it was right? just it was like sort of randomly. It was like a, I think it was a European car show that I yeah. somehow caught a glimpse of. And then like there was that you know almost like that bootleg tape that was going around of the of the Yellowbird at, at the Nuremberg ring. And like kids today, I had to sound like a guy like my old guy <laughs> on a porch. But like kids today can like go can YouTube and almost talk about any type of variant of any car they want, yeah. and they can see it driving you know at anger at speed going around a track, but. I feel like it's like um, it's helping sort of keep the hobby really alive right now. We have an, I mean, cars should be, they should be heard. They should be seen. You got to just adapt, read about and looked at, you yeah. know, they, well, I just, we grew up with just reading and, and looking at the pictures. Right. Yeah. And now you can do that. And you can also, you can hear it in, in, ocean, see yeah, it in motion. motion. Yeah. 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 I used to have to it's buy my copies yeah. of Playboy at a literal newsstand. Right. Okay. Now it's there at your fingertips right? Yeah. for the kids. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but, I tell you, there was a time when I would go to Barnes and Noble once or twice a month yeah. and grab about six car mags yeah. off the rack and yeah. find a chair in a corner. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And you just know, look at them. Yeah. Right? Just, yeah. 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 Don't you think though that the quality of the journalism has taken a hit though oh, along with yeah. it? Oh yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. But it, it's be- I I would say that and I'm no media expert, but I would say that the reason for that is digital is now emphasized over everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And deadlines are so much shorter because the content has to be pushed on a daily basis instead of a monthly basis. So the writing suffers. And now I don't know about you guys, but I can pick AI writing out yeah. immediately. Yeah. It just, it's, it's, um, they, AI uses a 25 cent word when a 10 cent word will do. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, you, 
you come away thinking this was just word salad. I didn't learn anything. There's no insight here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No. And this, I I get fired up about this because it is not artificial intelligence is not artificial intelligence. It is literally just mining from what we've already written. So what happens when that starts or stops evolving, right? What happens when the source material is, is, you know, is, is it's it's finite, you know, it's, it's information aggregation. Yeah. Really? That's what it is. And more and more, I, th- I, I see more and more people saying AI is simply copyright infringement for the 21st century. Right. Here we were hung mm. up on Napster and now every, anything goes right. You know, a few years later, you know, yeah. and when all the products are pretty wonderful anymore. Well, that's another right? thing. That, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's, I remember having this moment with my dad at some point, because I remember after reading Road and Track for a while, I kind of I kind of came to him and I was like, I don't understand. It seems like when I read the article, every car is good. And he goes, yes, but you also have to. Th-. And he, he kind of taught me it was like almost like an early lesson in critical um, you know, analyzation and reading. It was like, yes, because, you know, don't forget, like three pages later, you know, the Acura they just reviewed has to, <laughs> yeah. is paying for advertising space yeah. there. So they have to tread lightly. They can't just like come out and say maybe like as brutally as they want to, but like he kind of taught me to like sort of look for what they're saying here. Are they saying, you know, as compared to this or this, that, the other. And it was, it, it, it I started reading them on a deeper level after that. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, well, it's, it's a, and that is a bit of a, I mean, especially as you get into the world of like an influencer. Yeah. Completely different. Well, it, and it, we shouldn't, you know, that's, and that's something where that's just, you know, they're just, paid to basically like tell you that something is great. You have to be entertaining, you know, otherwise you get consumer reports. Right. Yeah. Which is the only one that does it. That completely changes the model altogether. Yeah. They buy the cars. They accept no advertising. Yeah. Yeah. They buy the cars, they no advertisements. And like, this is honestly what happened here. So, and it's, and, and, you know, it's probably the best sort of on most unbiased information out there. So I think the, the best approach to this entire issue is simply caveat emptor buyer beware whether you're reading an article, whether you're at a dealership, whether you're on a test drive, whether you're on a press junket, buyer beware, make up your own mind, but don't take anyone's word for it. And so much of it is subjective and so much of it is based on, on, on passion and right. I mean, it's, it's at the end of the day, we're not making a lot of these decisions based on right. Objective numbers and things. Yeah, right? yeah. So Spend a little time at the Peterson uh, this week, uh, and they have some of the cars from the Mullen Museum that were donated to the, the Peterson. In particular, I think there's a Hispano Suiza that uh, that I they saw that really caught my eye. Is that is that what it was? Um, I'm not sure what is. Yeah, is I don't. I don't know Peterson which was from the Mullen. But yeah. to your point, Peter Mullen was uh, a very successful guy in the finance world yeah. and was passionate about French cars and particularly the the high art of design of French cars and also the really significant competition cars from France. So naturally Bugatti is -hmm. on the list. Delahaye is on the list. Avion Voisson Mm -hmm. is on the list. And Mr. Mullen established the Mullen museum in, I think 2010 in Oxnard, California. That recently just North of LA. Yeah. It's not been there for that long, Uh. but one of the top collectors in the world. And in fact, the Mullen collection is the finest. It's regarded as the finest French car collection outside of France. Mm-hmm. But Peter Mullen was committed to restoring many cars. And I had access to the museum recently. Yeah. yeah. Because so Mr. Mullen died uh, last fall and the collection is now being dissolved and it's, it's going to be auctioned off by Gooding and company. David Gooding is a friend had a long relationship with Peter Mullen. They're going to be auctioning some of the cars at Amelia Island. And then the big auction will be in April at the museum. Okay. So mm. you guys should really try to make it back out for that. Would That's love, would love to do that. And, and you recognize the need to document these cars while they were still a collection. Yeah. I mean, mm. I, I've been to the collection many times, but it's, one of the, when something's in your backyard, you sort of take yeah. it for granted, right? Yep. But then suddenly it disappears. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, this is my last opportunity. I really need to get in there. So that'll be out on YouTube. I, you know, I shot a lot of video, and it'll be out on YouTube shortly. There's a few elements that still need to be put together, but very cool. And mm-hmm. yeah, so I had the run of the place for a couple of days. It was fantastic. Great staff there, by yeah. the way. But just being able to just sit with these cars. I mean, 
And I was going to say, like, you got well, to commune with these things, yeah. right? These sort of holy relics, yeah. you know? It's, Just seeing every detail and angle and, and mm-hmm. uh, without people shuffling by was yeah. terrific. Well, because, I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, but I mean, like, we, I mean, some of these cars may end up back in museums and they may be accessible to the public, but some of them likely a lot of them might just be squirreled away in someone's private collection. And then we don't get to see it for, for a long time. I mean, there's many, yeah, there's a couple of cars out there that people talk about that, like that hasn't been seen in 30 years because it's in someone's warehouse or garage or something like that. So it's, it's, you got to take advantage of it while you can. I mean, we should be doing the same thing if the, uh, if the Clive Cussler Museum ever reopens again, or or was open for well, that's more another than, one. It's in our backyard. Like yeah, if yeah. I've ever been. Are you, you familiar know? with that at all? Yeah, yeah I yeah. almost bought a Clive Cussler car yeah. about no six or eight months ago. Yeah, really. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. It, it didn't pan out, but that's okay. But yeah, mm. that's a you know, we're seeing some very high profile turnover in the collector car world. Mm-hmm. We've lost Dr. Fred Simeone in the last mm-hmm. few years. Mm-hmm. We lost Mr. Mullen, and just this week, Arturo Keller passed away. Are you familiar with him? I only know the name. Mm-hmm. Number one collector in the world. Okay. Ranked number one f- multiple times over the years. Okay. Oh. From the United States or? Mexico. Or- mm-hmm. uh, very successful Mexican businessman, but has lived in the U.S. for, for many years. And Keller Estates Wineries in Northern California and Sonoma County. On the property, five buildings, each mm-hmm. dedicated to a different nation's automotive oh, product. I heard oh, about wow. this, yeah. yeah. U.S., France, Germany, Italy, and uh, England and totally overwhelming. I toured the collection last summer. You can't take pictures. I wanted to write notes on what I was seeing, but I didn't want to pull my phone out because yeah. I didn't want anyone to think I was taking pictures. Yeah. So I just was like, mm-hmm. you know, a boy scout in there, <laughs> but just absolutely overwhelming. I didn't have a lot of time in there. We were only there for an hour and a half. Mm. It was in conjunction yeah. with another. That doesn't event. seem like enough time to get through one country's hangar. Basically. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, that yeah. was the other thing. It's like, you know that show Supermarket Sweep? Yeah. <laughs> that was, it was like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's sort of an analogy, I feel like, for what we're doing. I feel like we, yeah, we just, we have to record with as many people as we can. We've got to see what we can see, right. where we can still see it, right? I mean, it's... I'm glad you said that, Ryan, because what are some of the high points in your podcasting experience? You guys have been interviewing some great folks and yeah. And I'll say that that's not necessarily the pot the kind of podcast that we are, that we take just as much pride or we enjoy uh, just speaking with local people as much as we would a celebrity or a big name. That said, I mean, I think for me, Bruce Myers at the very top of that list, I, I know he, you know, you know him as well. He's, you know, he's been on your show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've gotten to know him a little bit more through the, uh, the grand. I mean, he's just, I, I kind of compare everything to Bruce. <laughs> Right. You know, well, he was just, he was so, I mean, he, he hit that uh, moment for us where it was like, we, he made us feel like we had known him for a long time. He made us feel comfortable right off the bat. So we felt like we were old friends, even though we were just meeting him. And I mean, the collection, and we just saw the one that's in, in, in Beverly Hills. I mean, I I talk a lot about my, uh, the 1987 road and track, uh, fastest car issue where the yellow bird, um, was the one that basically like won the competition. And I'm sitting now, in this podcast, I'm sitting 15 feet away from almost an exact, exact uh, copy of that car with the magazine article on it. I mean, he saw how important that was to me and he was just so nice about it. So he, that is absolutely a highlight for us, but yeah, yeah. I, I think, mean, yeah. you know, the, the stuff we've done at the Peterson museum, Michael Bodell, Terry Cargus, just fantastic mm-hmm. interviews, yeah. I think. And Tom Haran, getting Tom Haran and now and feeling, like, and now feeling and that Tom is like a friend of ours is, has been a great, uh, a great moment. Yeah, for in us, a way so, I feel so. like, you know, and he, and he, I mean, he's, um, you know, he's obviously, um, has this great history with the grand, but he just, he also just jumps onto our group texts and just, yeah, you know, lets us, lets us know what he's thinking. I saw this cool video. I wanted to share it with you guys. And we just feel like we're kind of very lucky to be in that, that space. So no, it's, it's terrific. Yeah. Ted so, Axe. Yeah. We, we mentioned Love Ted, Ted before. Axe, yeah. uh, Ted, Axe yes. It yeah. just, I mean, what a fun guy. That guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I'll put, I'll put those shows up with, with any a very different yeah. kind of show, yeah. you know, yes. but yeah. in, in a way, I feel like we're just getting started too, you know? So what about you? Oh, highlights. Yeah. You know, which one I really liked of yours was the author that you had on that talked about Rudolph Diesel. Oh yeah. Douglas Brunt recently. Terrific guy. Yeah. Yeah. I really like Doug. Um, New York times bestselling author and wrote this book called the mysterious case of Rudolph diesel because Rudolph diesel disappeared in 1913 off the back of a ship that was transiting between Antwerp and London. And um, Hmm. there's a real mystery there. And you know, the diesel engine is so ubiquitous. It's powered the world's work for over a hundred years now, mm-hmm. 
but a lot of people weren't aware of the man himself. So Doug has rediscovered Rudolf Diesel and has solved the mystery. Hmm. Doug is a terrific guy. Yeah. It's a great book. I highly encourage people to listen to the episode, but also um, read, read the, the book, book. Yeah. pick it up. Yeah, to do that. One of my highlights, guys, was last summer at the Quail, a motorsports gathering, part of Monterey Car Week, the, one of the premier events, of course, worldwide. I got to interview Emerson Fittipaldi. Mm. Yes. Who was a hero of mine, you know, mm-hmm. F1 champion. And by the way, I have, to, I have to say, unfortunately, I heard the news today that Emerson Fittipaldi's brother, Wilson, passed away. Mm. Uh, he was a few years older, had a medical emergency back in December, mm. and eventually succumbed. And um, so, yeah, yeah, mm. very sad. But, um, but interviewing Emmo was a highlight. But also, you know, guys like my friend Jim, who has a Mark II Cobra mm-hmm. um, and has owned it since, gosh, 1970. Bought it out of a road and track, I think. Added classified section. Yeah. And the car, I mean, I go to like Cars and Coffee with Jim, ride shotgun in his Cobra. Wow. And it is all original. Like the carpets kind of melted a little bit because of the headers. <laughs> sure. yeah. Um, yeah. Jim has rattle canned the body in yeah. places there, the paints cracked and crazed mm-hmm. and that's what yeah. i love about cars like that that they're real yeah. you can just yeah. feel the history so yeah. Getting, i love restored cars too don't yeah. get me wrong but but i'm glad we finally are starting to appreciate that yeah right yes that's, exactly and that's what i love about my model a yeah incidentally you know so it's got it's got that patina but but yeah so i love those big experiences where you get to meet your heroes yes, but i also like those experiences where you just get to hang out with, you know, your compadres yeah. who have share the same love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like yeah. this, how much like fun this. was this? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We need like to do this. this again very, very soon. You guys, this. I know that LA is like going to be on your calendar in the years to come. And 100%. I hope we can do it again. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I can't wait. And we hope we get you out to, to Colorado at some point. I would love that. Invitations. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well guys, we would be remiss if we didn't thank our hosts today, Haggerty Garage and Social here in Van Nuys, California. Of course, it's part of the Haggerty family and they handle the care and storage of specialty and collector vehicles. I'm talking to you today from the clubhouse. It's roughly 40,000 square feet of climate controlled, dust free garage spaces, and they've got 24 7 security as well as premium social space for garage and social members to gather and socialize or use for work and holding meetings. We're only half a block from the Van Nuys Airport for you private flyers, and we border the 405 freeway. What a wonderful freeway it is, too. Garage and Social is easy to get to, and it allows members a quick exit from the city or an easy route back from out of town. You can hit the Mammoth Mountain from here pretty easily. With curated social events such as rallies, test drives, and premium brands, track days, discussion panels, parties, and more. Boy, that's a mouthful. Garage and Social is designed to curate experiences for the automotive enthusiast. For more information, visit garageandsocial.com or follow them on social media at Garage and Social or the Van Nuys specific location, which is at Garage and Social underscore Van Nuys. And that's V-A-N-N-U-Y-S, the Dutch, of course. <laughs> Fantastic. Your own Paul Harvey over here. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far, I, but. Yeah. I used to work in the same office as Paul Harvey at Michigan and Wacker in Chicago. I worked sure. at an ad agency, and I didn't know that I worked in the same building as Paul Harvey. Now, he was really getting up in, in years. This would have been, I guess, early 2000s or whatever. Until, and now this was one of these great old Art Deco buildings. Uh, it had a, a penny uh, a, a scale, right, that you could get out in oh, the sure. lobby. Yeah. And this old Irish doorman, you know, it's just it was it was would have made a great like movie location um but these rickety old old elevators with wooden paneling and i uh i get in the elevator this old man kind of hunched over and and um i let him exit when we get down to the first floor and i hear good day (laughs) no you didn't yeah and i knew growing up we used to listen my dad had a 46 chevy truck and we used to drive that around on the weekends and and we'd listen to paul harvey now I know they were only about three minutes long, but it seemed like any time you turn on AM radio, he was playing, right? Yep. And uh, and someone said, "You know who that was?" And I said, "Well, I don't." That was that was Paul Harvey. Uh, that was my that was my Paul Harvey experience, and uh, I still listen to him. If I can't sleep some nights, I will find a Paul Harvey clip on the internet. <laughs> 
Mm. Sometimes you have to string a few together. <laughs> yeah. That guy could spin a yarn and that voice, unforgettable, unforgettable. voice. He's up there with James Earl Jones. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, just the, it's instantly recognizable yes. and it makes you feel at home. Yes. Yeah. Incidentally, I worked in Chicago for a little church charity for a little while. Really? 1060 West Addison. Oh. <laughs> Jake and Elwood were the proprietors. Oh, yeah. That's right. Just caught that. Yeah. I just watched that movie for the first time yeah. in years. I'm up to and speed now. Boy, does that movie hold up. The new yeah. Oldsmobiles are in early this year. Yeah. <laughs> so good. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. It what you know, my how the city has changed yeah. since yeah. Uh, it was a good moment in time. It was. Fantastic. Listen, I Maxwell love Street. the cultural references you guys throw into uh, episodes. And I, yeah, just can't say I'm. Uh, I can't say enough about what you guys do on the show. Really appreciate well, what thank you, you do. So thank you, Maurice. Yeah. And, and yeah, you too. Yeah. The reason I bring up Paul Harvey is because you are like him and that you have a, a very unique style. And in fact, I was going to, you know, say that at the beginning, I said, you know, when you, when you see it, when you hear it, you know, it's you. Oh, well, and, thank and you. That's, and that's all you can hope for, right? It's, it's, it's awesome. So you're very kind. That's all for this episode of Horsepower Heritage. If you like what you've heard, go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash HP Heritage and support the show. I'll see you back here on Wednesday, March 13th for more of the people and stories behind the machines. So until then, I'm Maurice Mayer. Thanks for listening.